So no, I want to begin just by saying what a blessing it is and honor it is to be in here. Uh, just several years in a row, I think I first came to the Shepherd's Con- uh, Shepherd's uh, Shepherd's Summit and Ironman Summit in 2015 was my first one. So uh, every year has been such a blessing to be in a room full of men that love the Lord. But I've especially added. Uh, love this edition where we see the leaders of those churches come together and a lot of you have been encouraging to me as I've heard you from afar or some of us we've shared lunch together and it's been such a blessing to have so many brothers around a lot of people that I've talked to uh, throughout my life have talked about how lonely ministry can be and I just have not experienced that Um, I'm so thankful for a lot of you guys and especially Pastor Dave and all that happens here through the Ironman Summit and Flint Hills um, it is such an encouraging time to rub shoulders with guys and be energized and encouraged. And so I want to say thank you for being here. Uh, it is a humbling thing for me to get up here and do this. Um, I say that um, just to let you know, I tried to get out of this. Uh, <laughs> Dave said no. When he says it's a family business and he starts rubbing his chin like this. Um, it's not that I didn't like the topic. I love this topic. Very few things get me going like ecclesiology. I love it. It's not that I didn't like the guys that would be in this room. It's nothing personal with you guys. I just, I think about the men in this room that some of you are wearing shoes older than me. Um, some of you have been a Christian longer than I've been alive. And so I think through those kind of things. I also think through my past. I was raised in a home where my, my parents are still married, um, but they've never gone to church together, ever. Uh, my mom was a second-generation Church of Christ. We had about 25 people on a good day, and half of them shared my blood. And then my dad was raised multi-generation Methodist until he got saved and and left. And so I think of that, and the ecclesiology would have been all over the place. Then I went to work after I got saved in college at a Baptist church where we had 1,200 members. And before you go, ooh, um, we were lucky to have 200 people in the building. (laughs) And so we could... um, triple twice. I don't know how to do that math, but before we ever get a non-member to attend. So there's been a lot going on. I ended up going out to Grace in California, going to Master Seminary, working custodial, and then moved out to McPherson in 2014. So yeah, we're coming up on 10 years now, and again, I I, I love to talk about these things. It's a sign of God's grace that um, we have any direction on this from Scripture, and then through experiences that he corrects us on different things and helps us by seeing other men model it. So I just want to say exci- how excited I am and how humbling it is to talk about this with you guys. Um, there are men in this room that have been more established. Um, you are savvy and pastoral skill, and all of that is not lost on me. And so I want to offer tonight just a snapshot of what we do, um, not to say that's how you must do it. Um, You do have an obligation to honor Christ. You don't have an obligation to do what we do. Um, That is not at all what's going to go on tonight. I want to stay as far away from what I'll I'll call the Stephen Furtick model as possible. Um, Stephen Furtick, a few years ago, released a documentary called How We Changed the World. It's a very modest documentary. (laughs) And so that is not at all the title of my lesson tonight, How We Changed the World. That's not it. I want to just help you see what we do And um, my prayer for you is that you would love your church. Uh, I really do pray that. Not just the church universal, but the church you're in. I remember it was a few years ago that I first met Brett Kapranica, and he was explaining to me what it was like to get involved at the church he's at and then have that feeling where you become a unit and you're working together like a body. And 
I can just say by God's grace, we're there. I, I love it. Um, not everything is perfect, obviously. Their pastor's not perfect. Their leaders aren't perfect. That's not at all what's being claimed. But I do know that I love that place. And so I want to share with you what's going on in McPherson, uh, Cornerstone. We call it Cornerstone JV because Cornerstone Bible Church Wichita is the varsity. Uh, just to let y'all know. Uh, but keep in mind as we go through this, our histories are different, your leaders are different, your people are different, your context is different, but Lord willing, through looking at what we're going through, you'll see a few things that will help joggle your memory and get your creative juices flowing, and obviously you've got to honor the Lord with what you do, but just get you think about your church. So enough with the caveats, from friends to family. Um, that was my way of just explaining visitors. We consider them friends. Um, when we send out an email that's more than our members, we say, dear friends and family of Cornerstone Bible Church. Uh, when it's just to our members, we say, dear you know, Cornerstone Bible Church. And so just things like that, we address our members as our friends. And so the first main heading is just this idea of engaging a visitor. Engaging a visitor. If you visited Cornerstone Bible Church for the first time, what would you encounter um, the first thing you would notice is that we have terrible parking. That's uh, just reality. Um, we bought a 120-year-old building. Uh, it's lovely, serves our purposes, but there's another church uh, one block east of us. There's another church one block north of us. There's another church one block uh, west of us, and we're surrounded right by Main Street, and so parking is a little bit of a hassle, but past that, you keep going. You approach the building, you're going to walk by two uh, security guys that are very smiley and, hey, welcome, and they're there for helpful reasons. Then you get your greeter team that hands you or welcomes you. You go up, to, it's a split level, go up into the worship center, and you're given a, a bulletin there. And, and then to kick off the service, we always begin with a call to worship. That's like the official kickoff of the service. And I'm going to um, begin the, the, right after the call to worship, remind people of the gospel and why we can worship safely. Uh, why we can come and worship God as our Father and not our, our uh, judge that we are fearful of. And we're doing all that. We're especially going to welcome visitors. And I'll point them to the, your classic visitor card. Um, it functions as kind of a catch-all, prayer request, anything. And I'll say uh, for our topic, you know, this, this afternoon, th that is sometimes used. Um, it's, it's not greatly used. So most people, when they want to let you know they want to do more at church, our experience has been they don't usually use the card. Um, most of what happens, and this is by far uh, the majority of what happens, is the post-service fellowship. Um, now, this is where it gets a little dicey. Um, a year ago this month, we canceled all Sunday schools. Um, we don't have Sunday school anymore. I would say it's freeing. You should try it. But you do what you need to at your church. Uh, we, we were thinking, we were talking, we had a guest preacher come out, and he helped us think through a lot of this. And it was just a burden to us that we just aren't ready to carry at this point. It was not overall having a helpful effect. Um, it's not to say there was nothing good about it. It's not an anti-Sunday school movement or anything like that. But what that allowed us to do is relieve some of our best people um, who were just overworked. And then we moved our service up to 9 a.m. And so if the preacher will end reasonably on time, uh, we're usually done by about 1035, 1040, somewhere around there. And what's been awesome is you can spend an hour after church talking to people, and it's 1140. Um, you're not having to rush out. you got some in the crock pot or just anything like that. It's, it's been really helpful. I, I've heard people say it's easier to have people over to lunch now um, just because you've got time to go home and prepare before they got to get there and things like that. So it's been a, a major blessing for us. 
Um, we've loved it, and so just personally, I've loved being able to stay a lot longer, and then you're still home in plenty of time and not rushing like you normally were. And I mentioned that because I, I've asked people what helped them start to get plugged in at our church, knowing this was coming up. Last week, I had a, a lunch with a young man, a new member at our church named Jordan. And so I just asked him, Jordan, you came from another church. You've gotten plugged in. You're a member now. What, what helped that? And he credited the post-service fellowship. I don't know what else to call it, but that's what he was saying. He would just have good conversations with people. He would get asked questions. He wasn't getting asked at other churches. And one of them, <laughs> he got asked, uh, so what have you read this week in the Word that encouraged you? And he was like, I had to say nothing. <laughs> he was like, but it was asked in a way that I knew I want these people to help me do that. Um, and so it wasn't asked in a way where he felt shamed and was left. And that's not every case. That's obviously just one concrete example I wanted to share with you. And when we think about visitors, one of the names I have to mention is Anthony. Um, Anthony, some of y'all will know him. You'll see him tomorrow. But Anthony's one of our deacons uh, who's in charge of the visitor ministry and I do want to let you in on a little secret. We did cheat when it comes to visitors ministry. Um, Anthony got his wife from Flint Hills Bible Church. Uh, I would recommend all you men to poach the ladies at Flint Hills Bible Church. I appreciate your uh, ministry here because my wife came from Flint Hills. Anthony's wife came from Flint Hills. It works out really well, but Anthony and Sherilyn uh, are just a, an excellent team. They do a great job of reaching out to our visitors and catching people that just kind of look like they aren't used to coming to church, you know, those kind of, we always say, you know, uh, if you want to know more, ask someone who looks like they know what they're doing. It's like, what, you expect someone to be sitting over there, like, they look like they have no clue what they're doing, but Anthony and Sherilyn are really good about catching visitors and inviting them over. Their first goal, this is just letting you know what they do, their first goal is to have them over for a lunch or a dinner. Um, they typically go home after church and invite people over at that point. So their first point with visitors is, can we get you over for a meal? If that doesn't work, Anthony will try to meet them during the week uh, with the husband or with the, the guy or whatever, however that can work out. If that doesn't work, obviously it can't always work, uh, a phone call. And it's just those personal touches that have meant a lot to people. Uh, it's been a blessing to me to get to a member's interview and the person feels like they've been well taken care of, and I'm just meeting them. Um, it's been a huge burden off of my shoulders to not think I have to go make sure everyone who visits is taken care of by me. Um, that's been a, a huge blessing. But as a lot of you know, uh, COVID changed a lot of this, where your churches, um, we were one of the churches that, you know, the Lord was kind to us, and it was, we took the seven weeks off, we mapped out our building where we could get everyone in there um, the first week back, and that lasted one week, and we just had to throw away those, <laughs> those guidelines because it was about two or three weeks later we doubled, um, and we've been there ever since. And so that's a lot of new people to start to deal with and start to, to help with. Well, what that did, it was really helpful. Anthony um, was talking to us about it, and we, we have a weekly pastor's meeting, and uh, the first... Wednesday of every other month, they, the deacons join us just to talk through their ministries and stuff. So Anthony was letting us know what was going on and talking to us. He's getting other couples to help, but it was obviously just a lot more. There's not enough lunches in the world to catch that many people, so that, that wasn't going to happen anymore. What happened was at one of our family meetings, which I'll explain those a little later, 
Anthony explained to the congregation what was happening, and so the, the way it kind of works now is if someone comes and you invited them, we're wanting to help you reach out to them. If someone comes and they live on your street, we want to help you reach out to them. It, it became more shared among the members with Anthony spearheading it. If there's that truly like disconnected person, then he takes them on, um, kind of the classical sense. But other than that, we're trying to pair some members up to say, go after those people, talk to those people. Um, use, you know, inviting people to church, use that as a, a way to witness to them and things like that. So all that to say, uh, Anthony still does a great job. He's got some help, but it's, it's changed a little bit because of COVID there, where the members came alongside and, and really helped out a lot with that. Um, we're having a lot more conversations with how to talk to people that way rather than just dump them off on somebody else. Again, it's not perfect, um, but it is, is better by God's grace. And so again, as a pastor, it's encouraging to know that um, there's people, you know there's people where when you get done saying amen, their van's already cranked up and they're gone. Like, it was, that happens, right? Um, there are people who intentionally do that. And so there's no way you can catch everybody. There's no way that one person running visitors ministry can catch everybody. And so it's been a great blessing to have our members jump on board with that and get involved. Uh, another thing that I, I want to highlight is um, and this is, you know, I don't know where your church is on this or what you've heard about our church maybe, but we, we practice what I like to call meaningful membership. Um, some people have called it over the top or extreme, and I get it, but we like to call it meaningful. Basically, it means more to be a member than you get to rent the fellowship hall and be buried in the cemetery, but that's neither here nor there. Meaningful membership, one of the ways that we try to make it meaningful is, and this is where I, I don't want to lose you on this, um, we don't want them to feel like they belong until they do. Now, what I mean by that is not, I don't want them to feel loved until they belong. That's not the point that I'm saying. But to blur the line of who our church is is something we've taken great care to not do as best as we can. Again, this is going to make some of you think my middle initial, which is D, stands for Dever. It does not. Um, <laughs> this is just a practice that we have found that is hard, but it is helpful. And it, in the long haul, it's gotten easier because now people show up. It's just the way we do things. But it was awkward at the beginning. It has been, by God's grace, again, one of the most helpful things we've done. So often a visitor will come, and the plan of a lot of churches is to plug them in in some way so they feel so connected that one day they'll just be connected. And I, I just I think that's not helpful in the long run. Again, this is what we do. You can talk to the Lord about what you guys need to do at your church. The goal of many is to make them feel like they are a part of the church, and then hopefully one day they will be a part of the church. But we certainly want our friends, our visiting friends, to be as loved as possible. Um, we do want to make sure that we don't blur the line of in and out. We don't want to make people think regularly attending here makes you in. Um, because that is often what happens at a place. There needs to be a clear way to know who our church is. And that's not language that I'm making up. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, For what have I do with judging outsiders? Are you not to judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God will judge. Remove the wicked man from among you, yourselves. So th th there's a language in 1 Corinthians 5 and other places where in and among was clear enough that they could remove someone from that. And so we're trying to keep that clear in our, our own church. Again, I know it sounds odd to some people, and, and not maybe in this room, but a lot of people in churches would find that as odd, but it's, it's been our helpful, I think, and clear way of keeping in and out 
to be meaningful and biblical. Um, again, there's a way you could do that where you're, you know, your nose is turned up and, oh, you're not a member. That's not at all what happens practically. It, it, it kind of fleshes out this conviction that we have, and this is, this is mind-blowing when it clicked for me, but our church will do our church's ministry. And I remember thinking of that, and I don't remember where I heard it or where I pieced it together um, as far as was it from a book or a resource or whatever, but to think our church will do our church's ministry, that, that is one of the things that's been so helpful to stick to through the years. Uh, one of the reasons we care about this is because our conviction on keeping the in and out language clear in our church is you'll, you'll keep from confusing Christians when you do that. Um, as a body, we want to include Christians into our body, obviously. That's a way that our body, on behalf of the Lord, he gave the keys to, to us, right? Um, and not just Cornerstone, I mean us, like churches. So he gave the keys to us to exercise, to affirm people on his behalf, and we want to do that. It's such a blessing for me to sit at church, and uh, I'm a member who functions as a pastor. It's such a blessing to sit at a church where they hand me communion. These people know Jesus, and they're handing me his body and blood, and obviously communion, letting me know I do too. And that is such a blessing. Um, to have people come and say, I know Jesus, and for a church to say, yes, you do, and they'll immerse you, is such a blessing on people. And so it's a, a way to keep the lines crisp as you can, reasonably so, so you don't confuse Christians. When, re, when we receive you into our body as a member, we're saying when you meet Jesus, he'll receive you. That's what we're trying to let people know. Jesus will do the same thing, and we, we don't want a real Christian to miss that blessing of being affirmed by Christ through his people on earth through baptism and the Lord's Supper. At the same time, we don't want to blur the lines and confuse non-Christians. We don't want to help people feel like they're in when they're really not. And again, growing up in the South, I, I heard this all the, I mean, I saw this all the time. Um, I remember so many people that your evangelism was church invitation, which I'm, I'm totally for. Invite people to church. Use that as a way to witness, okay? But they would invite people to church, and as long as you were coming, then you must love Jesus. And that was just the working assumption. Or maybe you were lonely, and now you've never felt so loved in your whole life, and you love church. You die for this church. But do you love Jesus? <laughs> it, you don't have to be born again to hate loneliness, you don't have to be born again to want to play a guitar in front of a crowd. Um, those aren't marks of regeneration. That, that, that is what we're trying to help people not be confused by. And so Christians go to church, absolutely, but so do non-Christians. Getting a person to attend a church is not necessarily a sure sign they're saved. And so we want to welcome our, our friends that visit like that, but never blur the lines as where you just being here means you're part of us. In other words, like I said earlier, you don't have to be born again to reject, to hate loneliness. And so our commitment is to keep that clear line of in and out as crisp as we can in a loving way to not confuse Christians, to not confuse non-Christians. It's our way of remembering who our church is. And again, this was just another light bulb moment in my, my own growth was our, our church is our members. That is our church. Um, our church is not some organization that just exists no matter who's coming in and out or whatever. And if the 131 members of Cornerstone were headed somewhere and all died, well, don't worry, Cornerstone will still meet on Sunday. No, they won't. Like, they died. They're, they're gone. <laughs> and so that's what we're trying to remember, that our church is our people. Our church is our members. 
So if someone is not a member, however you decide that at your church, whatever language you use, process you use, the reality is they're not a part of your church. They may be friends of your church. They may be regular attendees to what your church's service is like and things like that. But that being a part of is needing to be clear. And so we've committed to serve those inside and outside of our church by being kind to everyone, but Galatians 6.10, especially those who belong to the household of God. So yeah, we're not trying to be stingy or rude or cold. Um, I, I honestly, again, I meet people when they've come into our church and been there for a while, and so many people talk about how well they've been loved. So it's not an option of, well, we don't love people till they sign on the dotted line type thing. Um, that's not what we're talking about. So again, to sum up what I've been saying, our church is doing our church's ministry. Our church does our church's ministry. Our church is our members, as I said earlier. Ministry done by our church ought to be done by our church. That's just basically the conviction we're working with. And again, sometimes that's hard for people because they want to know how they can jump in. But we're trying to say, well, until you join, you can't jump in that way. You can come to things. Like there's nothing off limits to a non-member. They can come to Sunday service. They can go to Sunday night care groups, they can go to men and women's studies, kids can go to youth group, adventure club, college group, whatever, things like that. Um, but until you become a part of our church, you can't do ministry on behalf of our church because um, that would not be our church doing it. That's one of the lines we're using there. And so what this looks like practically is if someone's not a member, they can't help with greeting or ushering. We don't go and tell them, don't welcome people, don't say hey to anybody. We're not doing that. It's just they're not our church's greeter. They're just greeting you because they're a human being happy to see you. That's just what's going on. But you can't help with nursery, which some people don't hate that, but <laughs> you can't help with music. You can't help with teaching. You can't help with anything that's an official part of our church's ministry, just to make that clear. That's one of the ways we've tried to keep that line um, crisp, like I was saying earlier. And we found overall that it has been uh, hard. There's been hard conversations that we've had to have, but it's been so helpful. Um, that helps keep membership meaningful, like I was saying earlier. Um, I, I, again, I don't want you to think we're cold towards visitors. Um, that's not been my experience at all. We also don't force people to join. Um, I won't say who, but there's a church in here where one of your pastors asked me one time, so how many times do you let people attend before you make them join? I was like, what? Like, there's people who haven't joined and been there longer than me. Like, I don't... We have 131 members, and we average 260 in attendance. You tell me how long <laughs> that works. It, it, half of our people showing up on Sunday morning aren't members. So, again, there's a lot of things that you'll be, uh, you'll confuse people on some of this because it's, it's new. A lot of places, um, there are people who've left our church not being members, and they'll go somewhere else, and within two weeks, they have a Sunday school class. It's just, that's not the way we function. That's not the way a lot of people are used to churches functioning, and it, it, it can be some difficult conversations, but... Again, we don't say you get three visits and then put a ring on it, or we don't, we don't do forced marriages or anything like that. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's just not what we do. We just want to make sure our people understand and visitors understand that there's a difference in who our church is and who attends our church. Um, again, when I was younger, we, um, I would have friends come over you know, in high school and stuff, and we'd play video games like crazy. And I remember one time, it was 1 a.m., and we go in the kitchen to grab a snack, and my mom's pulling out cupcakes. She's like, what are you doing? This is, I mean, they were, they were so well served is what I'm trying to illustrate. They love coming over. But no matter how well they were served, they never assumed they were a Mills. 
they would come and eat at our house anytime. We were we cared for them, we loved them, but that didn't mean they were a part of our family. When we when we talked about going on family vacation, we didn't include them. Why? Because they're not our family. I remember the one time that point got driven home was my grandparents took us on a cruise to celebrate um, one of their anniversaries, and my cousin had a girlfriend who was not allowed to go. Um, is your last name Mills? And she said, no. So, okay, you can't go. <laughs> it's like, we love you, but this is for family. Because um, it would be really awkward to have that monumental photo and have to sh- Photoshop that one person out because <laughs> they refuse to commit later. But I loved my friends in high school. I, I, I cared for them. My family cared for them. But when it came down to it, there's a different process for you to be considered our family. Um, so, again, it's not about, you know, shunning people who aren't your family and things like that. Now, eventually, when visitors come, um, they're, they're bouncing around through different things and, and getting plugged in in different ways, you know, attending different things. They will eventually be interested in membership. Something will come up about it, and we, we try to balance, you know, how we push that and bring it up. We obviously want to encourage it. I, I do encourage people to join. Um, I do think it's biblical and necessary. Um, now, when I use the word necessary, a, a, a response you ought to get in the habit of doing is necessary for what? So if I say soap is necessary, and you say for what, and I say to be a human, you're like, what are you talking about? Um, to be clean? Oh, yeah, I agree with that. So if I say a membership is necessary, and you say for what, and I say to become a Christian, you ought to have a problem with that. That's not what I'm saying. But membership is necessary in the sense of being a healthy Christian. Uh, it, it's, I've used, I don't remember, again, I, don't, I was born with no thoughts, so I don't know which ones come from others and which ones I've made up. Someone at some point said it, it's kind of compared to oxygen. Is oxygen necessary? What would you say? Yes, it's like, look, I can be a human and not breathe. It's like, well, not for very long. Um, it's true. Your being a human doesn't de- depend on you breathing, but you being a healthy human and a long-living human definitely depends on you breathing. And so, again, you want to be careful when you say membership's necessary because people are going to hear that you think they're not saved until they're a part of your church. That's not at all what's being said but you got to make that clear. But we do push it. We do uh, encourage it because we think it's biblical and necessary. And so I love it when people join. So we talked about engaging a visitor and now just more the idea of incorporating a a member. Um, Incorporating a member. Our our church, um, when we do this idea of people actually becoming a member, uh, how do they become a body part at Cornerstone? Um, earlier when I mentioned to you that not everyone does it the same way, the reality is we haven't always done it the same way, so we are proving our very point. Uh, Early on, so uh, Cornerstone uh, had a a little bit of an odd history where we were started, um, but we didn't have any membership for six or seven years. Um, I came on the third anniversary, and we did I I think it was six or seven years into the church before we ever had... um, our own elders, and then membership and things like that. Um, I, yeah, there's, there's things that w- you know, we would do differently. But to begin that was very hard because when you, when you have this group assimilated here <laughs> and then you drop a little halo down, there are some outside of that circle that think they should be in it. And we're saying, well, just come on in. And they're going, yeah, but I've been here the whole time. I should be in it already. And there's, it's a difficult transition. Um, but... By God's grace, again, it was made. Um, the initial classes for membership were five weeks uh, of Sunday school. Um, then that turned into two lunches, and then we 
ended up doing three Sunday school classes. Now we just do a long Saturday, again, stealing from Brett Copernica. Um, uh, we had a couple that moved there, told us how they did it, and I said, okay, we're doing it that way. So thank you. Um, <laughs> but we uh, usually from 9 to 1.30-ish with lunch provided. Uh, we're supposed to have one last Saturday, but canceled due to the weather. But that class is what's required if you're interested in becoming a member, so we let people know that. If you just want to know more about our church, we've had several people attend the class never join and keep attending our church. So it's not a, you know, once you get in that class, you got to make a decision or go to the Methodist down the road or something like that. Uh, that's just a way that people can learn more about our church. But if you want to join, it is a requirement. Um, we just want to be clear up front with people what's required and, and what's going on. And, and so this class, if you sign up through the office, either the card or email or phone call or telepastor, different things like that, there's three main sections in it. Um, the opening section is what is the gospel, Pastor Dave over here, um, he usually does that one. Uh, we, we took the God, man, Christ response outline from Greg Gilbert's book, and we just tell people this is our loudest and clearest message, the gospel. So even if you never join here, this is what you've got to affirm this. You've got to love this message. Um, that's followed up the second session with um, my explanation of why formal membership, because that just, that was a a question we kept getting through the years. So that's my way of, of engaging with some of the objections that we get or some of the questions people have, but then trying to show them why I, I see it as biblically necessary where our church um, holds to fun, uh, formal membership. And then after lunch, Pastor Aaron will walk through the Cornerstone Confession is what we called it. Um, so again, our experience, uh, I don't know how many of your churches have a what we teach statement, but ours has always been from day one, the generic like Grace Community Church, several pages long, what we teach. And the question we kept getting is, well, what do I have to believe, though? So I see what you teach, but what do I need to affirm? Like, where do you let me disagree with this giant document here? And through the years, you always say, well, you can disagree, but don't cause issues. But even that, it's like, so I can disagree with the Trinity, just don't cause issues? Cool. So no, 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 no. So even on that, there's some things that you weigh those differences, you don't really count them, is the way we approached it. So what we ended up coming up with was a cornerstone um, confession. It, it's what our members believe. And, and the idea there is if you're a member here, you're confessing this from your heart, like you believe it. This is not something you'll just submit to. This is what you're telling us you actually believe. The, what we teach is submit to this, don't cause divisions, things like that. And so Aaron will walk through that line by line. And it's, I mean, it's, there's 66 books of the Bible. There's one God and three persons. I mean, it's pretty basic stuff. Um, it, it's nothing crazy. Um, so Pastor Aaron will go over that. And then at the end of the class, they'll tear off two shepherding information sheets. Uh, we always called them app membership applications, but that sounded too much like insurance. And so we like shepherding information sheets. Uh, it's worked out really well. So they'll turn those into the office when they're ready to move forward. So the end of the class, the ball's in their court. Um, I'm not really... I. I encourage our church to push them. I don't really like pushing them. And maybe you can correct me on this. It just feels a little self-serving and odd for me to go up and go, hey, get that stuff in. Like, increase our numbers. And it's just, I feel awkward. So I don't like bringing up to people that came to the class, when are you getting the stuff in? So we've told our church at our family meetings multiple times, like, can y'all talk to people you know go to this class and ask them how that's going? Can you help them? It just takes some of the pressure off of us. Oh, does that make sense? Like, it's just an odd deal sometimes, but maybe I need to grow up. Um, that's maybe true no matter what the answer is to that. But 
one of the goals in that class, we're looking for a clear understanding of the gospel. We're looking for um, a, a testimony, a credible testimony. We're looking for your relationship to baptism. So we had to word it, have you been immersed since faith? Um, so that's kind of what we're doing in there. We're also looking to see, is this a good partnering? Um, does this make sense? And, and again, we're not trying to hold the bar too high, I don't think. Um, an example of this would be, there was a guy in our church, he was there before me, um, older man, and uh, just set in his ways. And I remember one time, he was struggling with joining our church. He didn't really want to. And one time he made the statement that we've never preached the gospel. And to me, again, being from Georgia, that's like Chick-fil-A's got no chicken. <laughs> it's like Pizza Hut's got no pizza. It's like the gospel is what we do. Like, what do you mean we don't preach the gospel, you know? So I just asked, you know, can you clarify that? Well, for him, preaching the gospel meant you have what at the end of your service? An altar call. And we don't have an altar call. Okay, so let's reason through this. Well, when we realize we're both immovable on this... <laughs> Um, it's like, you know what? I think you'll be better served in another place. That's, that's not an offense to me. Like, you're, I would not want you to go to a church you think never preaches the gospel. That would be horrible. And so you get into some conversations like that where you realize this is not going to be a good partnering. There's another young family coming to our church. Our guys loved that guy. Um, he was very friendly, loved our, our pastors, and uh, it, was, it was great. Um, he was diehard, non-lordship, charismatic, and verbalized scriptures not sufficient very clearly in our men's Bible study. It's like, you know what? As much as we like you, I don't think this is going to work out. And it did not work out. Um, he is at a, a staunchly non-lordship church now. Um, but again, I, I say that not to, we're not delineating who is a real believer and who's not. Like if, you, if you're not uh, you know, fit to be a member at our church, you must not love Jesus, that kind of thing. We're just trying to figure out how we can partner in wise ways. I, I want people to love the church they attend. If that's us, awesome. I love our church. Um, I, it was funny. I sat down with lunch with this one person who was thinking about leaving our church, and he said, you know, I visited this other place, and you just don't understand how nice it was to go to a church you love. Like, I feel like I do. Uh, <laughs> I like our church, You're like, <laughs> I don't know, but I understood what he meant. So my point is, I want people to love the church they go to. Um, if that's not us, that, that's okay. That's, that we're not um, the end-all, be-all of all that. And so these are what we're trying to discern in this meeting. Is there enough of an agreement here where this is a wise partnering? And again, it's not like, do you use this version, uh, things like that. We're not trying to be that nitpicky. There are... Um, some issues, obviously, that we can disagree on. You won't even get a raised eyebrow. Some disagreements that mean you, should, you would be better served elsewhere. And so, anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, there was, there was, okay. So when we have our shepherding information sheet, the, the follow-up meeting, um, that's where we're trying to discern what's going on with, with people. Is this a good partnering um, so to give you a, a concrete example of how we handled one difficult case was there's a, a young man um, due to some birth issues was a little slower and is thinking and talking. And so you run the risk of if we set this bar too high, I mean, we know how this guy functions, right? If we set it too low, it's like, are we deceiving this guy? You know, so it's a very difficult. And I remember his family was joining. Um, his parents were joining. We had a great meeting with them. He came in for a meeting, and me and another older man were in the meeting, and we're going as basic as we can. I've got cups on my desk 
illustrating, like if, if your cup is full of water, it's wrath, and it's poured out in this cup labeled Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my hardest to make sure the gospel's clear. At the end of the meeting, it was obvious the gospel's just not clear. And so in that situation, it's not a no, it's a not yet. That's the way we approach it. Like, this is obvious that we need to keep meeting with this person. This is a sense to where a fish has kind of jumped in our boat. Like, he's asking us to meet with him and talk to him about the, the Lord. I remember the meeting I had to have with the parents, though, um, to tell parents who have a child like this, that we're going to say not yet on your son. And I don't usually get nervous, really, ever. Um, I was not breathing very well before that meeting. And I remember we got into the meeting, and this is just to encourage you guys to, whatever you're convicted to do, do the right thing, right? I get into the meeting, and it's about six or seven minutes into the meeting, and I'm, I'm kind of talking through short breaths, and I, I just do not feel comfortable at all. And finally, the dad said something, and I said, hold on, like, you agree with our decision to wait? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm so glad you guys didn't lower the bar and just let him leap over. I'm glad you're holding a standard and making sure he really knows the Lord. So, oh, my goodness gracious, like, <laughs> I could have saved 10 years of my life here. Like, I, I've had a conversation like that where the whole family just left our church, not in Kansas, but in Georgia. And so those parents loved the fact. He said, we came from a church where if he just had a pulse, he'd be a member. And it's like, so he appreciated some thought going into this. And so just to encourage you guys, it's not always a horror story and things like that. And so when people struggle with that meeting, I would say 98% don't. But if they do, it's just a not yet. We're just going to keep meeting. Um, with that young man, we met with him. Honestly, it was about three years, I think. And he, f- he ended up joining. We worked with him. Um, an older man in our church grabbed him, went through several things with him. Pastor Aaron went through the Gospel of Mark with him. And, and we worked with him for years and finally got to a place where, okay, Lord, we're doing the best we can. Um, this is unclear, but we're hoping that we've got this right. And we would rather try to encourage this sheep rather than keeping at an arm's distance. And it's, it's just a hard call, but that's just a, another concrete example of some things you'll, you'll go through. Um, so anyway, I mentioned earlier family meetings. Um, after the meeting with the shepherding information sheet happens and we're, you know, they're wanting to partner, we're wanting to partner, the next step is we take it to our family meeting. Family meeting is by far my favorite thing we do as a church. Um, now, again, I'm not counting like, we love Jesus, and I, I, that's understood, right? Um, that's, my favorite thing is Jesus at our church, okay? <laughs> but in this context, <laughs> the family meeting is my favorite thing. It's the second Sunday of every odd month, okay? So every other month, odd months, second Sunday, we have a members meeting. It's open to all members and their children. Um, and we have that. It, it's kind of like being around the family table. It really is. Uh, we have an agenda printed out. Anytime something on the agenda is discussed, it's kicked out to the congregation for prayer. We'll pass the microphone around. They'll pray for it. Um, we'll have new members added at that point. Um, we had an elder step down one time. He was able to explain it, and then he took questions. We had a family where the husband lost his job, and he got up and was able to explain how he, we could pray for him. And it's a very personal, I, I just love it. it I love it. Um, only one time in, I think, almost five years. Only one time has someone proven a point to show up knowing they're not a member. Um, And so I had to go and say, hey, uh, can I talk to you out here for a second? It's like, hey, you know this is for members only, right? It's like, yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't remove me though. I was like, we have to. It's for members only. He's like, I'm sorry it came to this. And he left crying and then he joined a month later. So (laughs) (laughs) all right, uh, so it went well. Um, (laughs) 
you're welcome. Um, so this is a meeting where songs are introduced and all that. But like I said, this is um, where we introduce our, our prospective members. And so uh, we'll typically read their name, like, hey, I met with Jim so-and-so. Um, here's you know, three sentences on his testimony. Uh, we're recommending them for, bap- uh, for uh, membership if they need baptism, obviously baptism. But we're recommending to go forward. And I'll usually say something like this. Uh, the pastors have met with them, and we think it's wise to move forward, adding them to the church body. If you have any questions, concerns, or reasons, we should reject them as unbelievers. Please speak with a pastor. Barring some substantial reason to the contrary, we will move forward by adding them this next Lord's Day. So that's how we've done it with all the ones that have joined so far. And most of the time, it goes off without a hitch. There was one couple that we were saying that about, and another couple in our church came to us and said, hey, we had them over for dinner, and when we asked them what is the gospel, they, they just seemed clueless. Like, they, they couldn't even give any answer, much less a wrong answer. What did you guys hear that made you think they knew? And so we had a good conversation and moved on. There's another guy who left our church in a not-so-good way, but came back and wanted to join and so people came up and said, hey, did y'all address that issue? Yeah, we did address that issue. Okay, great, and moved on. What I love about this is this keeps from the surprise adoption coming that next Sunday, right? So you end the service like, oh, yeah, by the way, family, uh, two new brothers, have fun. Like, what this does is it builds this anticipation on that next Sunday morning where we're going to welcome in more people today. So the church knows we're adding these people this next Sunday, this next Lord's Day service. And that's been a huge blessing, uh, uh, something that people have really appreciated. And so we're including the, converse, uh, the congregation in this movement. Um, we're not making them the final verdict in, in that sense. It's what we have come to call pastor-led, congregational-affirmed is the idea. So we're not going to them to say, do we have permission? We're just going to see, are we reading the room right? Are we missing anything? We want them to have some input on, okay, I'm pretty sure he didn't tell you about his secret drug ring. It's like, did you know about that? No, we didn't know about that. That would be nice to know. So it's just our way of getting them involved and making sure we've covered all our bases and things like that. Um, now, again, we'll bring it to a, a landing here soon, and you can go. I'm standing between you and dinner, I know. Now, before I finish up, though, I did reach out to some uh, of the key people in our church, and I asked them what helped them assimilate. Um, what helped you feel like Cornerstone was a family? Like, well, How did you make that jump? And the, the two answers I got from, so there were several different answers, but the two common threads were, um, let me make sure I'm reading this correctly. Uh, yeah, unified leadership and meaningful membership. That was the two common threads, unified leadership and meaningful membership. Many in our church have come from churches where the pastors are different than elders, and I'm not trying to tell you what you, you should call people. And I'm just saying, if your pastors are different than elders, meaning elders have authority but no responsibility, that's a death trap. Um, the elders have to smell like sheep. That's one of the chapters in the little brown book on uh, eldering from non-marks. You should get that and read it. Um, you can't separate authority and responsibility. You, you just can't do it. The reason they even should be called elders is because they're already doing the work. You're just telling the church we're recognizing them as this person there's more that could be said on that but don't split that up even if you do reserve the name difference i'm just saying you you can't biblically and even experientially if you separate the authority from responsibility um you're you're creating a, a danger there others are coming from churches where pastors weren't concerned with doctrinal development 
Um, others come from churches where leaders are anything but unified. Their leaders are pulling in different directions. So they have really loved unified leadership. And I'll just confess, I do too. Um, two of our elders are here. There's four of us. One is hopefully going to come tomorrow, but we'll see how he feels. Um, I love serving with our pastors. I love feeling like I'm not alone in what I'm trying to do at church. I, I love that I don't feel like all the pastoral weight is on me. I, I love that. I'll, I'll say it in front of them. The, the two lay elders are here. I get worried they overwork. <laughs> like, you guys are so involved. You smell so much like sheep. Like you smell like pizza with your family sometimes. Like you know. But no, they're excellent. I love having those guys around, and our church has loved it too. Um, and so that's been a huge blessing to me to not feel the weight of 131 people as if it's all me. I, I don't ever feel like that, honestly. Um, as for meaningful membership. Um, again, don't think for a second we don't have issues. We do have issues. Uh, we've got a percentage of our people who don't even know what the first 20 minutes of the Sunday service looks like. <laughs> uh, our congregation grows 30% halfway through our service. So, um, yeah, th- not everything's perfect. But <laughs> one thing we've tried to stress and be committed to is the Ephesians for every member ministry. In membership interviews, we encourage people to look for what we call formal and organic membership. Um, I mean, um, ministry opportunities. Formal would be, hey, we need this done. The church is announcing it, inviting you. Organic would be in your conversations. You realize the need was there and you met it. There was no fanfare. No one else knew about it. You just did it. That's where the majority of the stuff is coming from. And so it helps. We also, in our prayer meetings, direct the prayers back to the person. So if we're having a prayer meeting and, and Dave here says, hey, my aunt's having a cancerous spot removed from Uh, her skin. Could you pray for her? We would say, yeah, we'll pray for her. How can we pray for you as you minister to her? And just return it back, reminding people there's some responsibility here. Um, That's that's really helped people um, let us know, well, I don't know how to help her. It's great. Let's help you help her. Like, that's how we're trying to do this. Again, are we perfect at this? No. Does everybody minister like they should? No. Are the pastors perfect? No. Um, But again, this is what we're committed to, and the Lord's been very kind to bless us through this. Um, so again, as I said at the opening, um, this is not a cookie cutter thing where if you do this, uh, one of the illustrations I thought of was Michael Jordan was really good for the Bulls playing basketball. He's really bad for the White Sox playing baseball, right? So you look at another church and you see what they're doing really well. And you go, we got to do that here. Not always a good idea, right? Chicago White Sox, Michael Jordan, bad. Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, good. Like that's, so again, know your context, know your people, know your gifting, do what you need to do. That's just a snapshot of us, and I've held you hostage long enough. Let me pray for us, and do you want me to pray for the food or just, okay, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for just a, a simple fly-through of what we do. Um, Father, help us have discernment on what you require and what is wise in our area, how we can learn from one another, how we can serve one another, and in encourage each other to think as as helpful shepherds. I thank you for the men in this room and the under shepherds that you have placed in these churches. Um, Thank you for the encouragement they are. I pray that this weekend would be that overall, that it would be encouraging. I pray that we would love you, that love for you would spill out into our families and our churches. Lord, do this work in our hearts this weekend. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.